0: Welcome to the West Side Podcast, where you can find real help for real life. We hope you'll take a second right now and subscribe to this podcast and let us know how we can help. You can find out more at westsidecommunitychurch.com. Now join us for this week's installment of the Westside Podcast. Good morning, Westside. Side. How's everybody doing? All the late, late risers. The 10 o'clocks are gone. Thank God. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I was saying, I know we're going to start a second or third service here at some point in time, I think, at like 8.30. I'm telling you, when we do that one, I'll be honest with you, I sleep through the entire thing when Gabe asked me to preach. I mean, I'm there like preaching, but mentally I am absolutely asleep. I am not a morning person. Are there any other non-morning people in here? Raise your hand. Okay, I love all you. I love all you non-morning people. Hey, um, so I'm Tim Wooten. My dad is uh, Pastor Ken. And uh, man, I've been here a long time. You know, we moved here in 1975, and we used to have the entire church was the building next door to so the children's center was the church, and then sitting right here was a yellow house. And uh, this house was here for a long time, and it was like the uh, like Sunday school and offices and stuff. Um, and then after about five years of uh, my dad moving here in 1975 and uh, taking over a church that ran about 30 people. Um, he built this auditorium here in 1980 and then turned around the next year and they built the building out back. And so, been here forever. A um, little bit about my background, just so you know where I'm coming from, because today we are talking about money. And so, um, I became the youth pastor and worship pastor here in 1989 till 2000. So for about 11 years, I was a youth pastor, a worship pastor, and uh, loved it. It was, it was awesome. But at the end of the 90s, while I was youth pastor and worship pastor here, um, I ended up getting licensed as an investment advisor. And um, I have been an investment advisor since 1997, so about 25 years, and still am to this day. And I uh, absolutely love helping people with money. I enjoy it. Um, I just, I, I'm in the money business and and, and love it. And uh, some of you, when I say money, may not love it. You may be thinking like, ugh, I wish I had more of it. Or I wish I didn't have so much debt. Or I wish I didn't have this or that. We're gonna talk about some things I think that can help all of you today when it comes to uh, money. And uh, I, I will say that you know in 2014, uh, Gabe called me up. I've told this story before, but Gabe called me up and asked me if I would come and if I would uh, teach the youth that Sunday And that, of course, turned into a second Sunday and a third Sunday and a fourth Sunday and a fifth Sunday. Next thing you know, Gabe's like, can you just be the youth pastor? And so here I am now. What is it? Is that like like eight years ago, right? Yeah, 2014. So eight years ago, um, Gabe asked me if I would just teach the students on a Sunday. And now here I am eight years later. So I'm kind of in the best of both worlds. I get to work with students and help them uh, make wise choices and, and, and better decisions. And I get to help people make better decisions and better choices with their money. So I get to live in both worlds and absolutely love it. Now I tell you that. So you first of all know, I've been here a long time and I want you to know that I love everybody at Westside and I want the best for you. Two, I tell you about the money part because I'm talking about some things that are going to sometimes today going to sound a little bit like I'm giving you like a financial seminar and not a message because it's going to be like a mix. Like half the time going to sound like I'm preaching. The other half is going to sound like I'm giving you a financial seminar, but that's the financial advisor me coming out. That makes sense? And so, but you're going to learn something. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make sure you take out your notes and a pen because you're going to need to take some notes because not everything is in your notes. You're going to want to take notes. So Money. When we talk about money, I think sometimes we get set in our minds that uh, money is evil. You know, in fact, there's songs out there that says, you know, money is uh, the root of all evil. And the problem is, is most people misinterpret that scripture that talks about money. Because it doesn't say money is the root of all evil, but it says the what? The love of money is the root of all evil. So when you love money more than God, more than your family— more than everything else, it's just your ultimate goal is money, 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 then we know where your God is, right? Your God is money. But when you put the right priority, you know, God being first and family comes before money, that's good, that's good. And so money's not evil. And I'm convinced if you look at the scriptures, all through scriptures, uh, the Bible talks a lot about money. There's a lot to say about money and God talks about it all throughout scriptures. And I think you're gonna be surprised on what he has to say about that. Now, when I say money, does that make you nervous or does that make you feel like, I feel pretty good? Because I'd say in a crowd this size, I'd say there's probably a good portion of you that that makes you a little nervous because of maybe lack of money, maybe living paycheck to paycheck, being in debt. And there's another group of you that you're doing all right. You're paying your bills you're almost debt free, if not debt free. And there's another group of you that's totally debt free, and you're making great money, and money's not an issue. So there's th- three types of people probably like that in this room here, a room this size. I wanna share with you a, a Bible passage that um, is kind of the foundation of today's message. And it's found in 1 Timothy uh, 6 17 through 19. Paul is talking to Timothy and he's teaching Timothy how to teach others about money, okay? So he said, here's how I want you to teach people about money. And I love what he says right off the get-go. He says this. He says, teach those who are rich in this world. Now, pause. Some of you just said, I'm not rich. There is a fairly good-sized portion of the world that lives on a cup of rice and a cup of soup a day. So if you eat more than a cup of soup or a cup of rice a day, you're rich to, to them, Right? There are people that don't have shelter. If you have shelter, you're rich to them. If you make more than $2 an hour, you're more wealthy than a big portion or a, a portion of the United States, or sorry, a portion of the world that makes less than $2 a day, right? So you're rich compared to them. So we talk about that. It's not just you're Bill Gates rich, we're talking about you're just rich compared to maybe other peop- others that are out there. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and to not trust in their money which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Anybody in for true life, like the good life? Anybody here wanna live the good life? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to live the good life? And he just explains it right here in Timothy. He says, man, don't no trust in money. He's just trusting me, trusting God. I got you, right? Money doesn't have God, right? God created money. God created the world. He created us. He created everything. He's in control. Now you may be asking, well, why are we talking about money in church? Well, did you know that the number one economic crisis in the world is financial illiteracy? Did you know that? The majority of people in the world have no clue how money works. They have no clue. They don't know how their 401k works. They don't know how an IRA works. They don't know how life insurance works. They don't know how the bank works, CDs, mutual funds. They have no clue, because some of you maybe have turned a blind eye, and been like, oh, whatever, it's not for me, that's for someone else to figure it out, right? But most people don't understand how money works, and we're going to talk about that today. In fact, not only should we be teaching it in church, we should be teaching it in our schools, right? Our schools should do a better job. I mean, how many of you guys got out of high school, and you knew more about sex education than you do about money, right? Because what are they teaching? They're starting sex education now, what, like first grade, right? But money... We talk a little bit about it, but not, not much. So we don't know much about it. All right. So I think there's three types of people that are in the U.S. Those who live below their means. Those are people who earn $1,000 and they spend way less than that. Right? They live below their means. Then there's those who live at their means. Those are ones who earn $1,000 and they spend $1,000. So they never have anything, they're just, but they're living, they're paying their bills, but they're not getting ahead. They're living at their means. Then there's those who live above their means. Those are those that earn $1,000 and spend 1,050, right? You're living on credit cards above and beyond what you have earned, right? Those are three types of people. So how do you win with money? Well, I'm gonna share with you six secrets that I've learned over 25 years of, of doing this. And I've got a lot of scripture verses I'm going to use today. Some will be on the screen, some will not be. And uh, I'm going to let the Bible do the talking, but at times you're going to hear the financial advisor talking, all right? You're going to hear both sides as we go through. So the first one, you ready for this? Number one, you need to increase your cash flow. That sounds easy. Sounds good, right? Make more money. Sounds great. Well, here's... One of the ways that you would do that, because some of you may be thinking, like, well, how do I do that? I'm already working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. I don't have any more time, okay? Well, here's how you can do it. Spend less than you earn. I just helped all of you increase your cash flow. We're done. Let's pray. Dearly Father, thank you, Lord. No, right? I mean, I just showed you that this, that's the secret. Spend less than you earn. Guys, you, have to, you understand, I'm in a business where... I mean, I've seen people come into this business and make insane amounts of money and right when they start making their first insane amounts of money, they go out and they do something stupid like buy a really, 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 really nice car or they get into a really, really, really nice house before they're really able to get there. I mean, they can get there, but they're not really ready to get there yet. They they, they should have let a few more years, you know, percolate underneath them before they just jump right into buying a high-end car or a super nice house, but they just kind of jump right into that. We need to increase our cash flow. And again, we do that by spending less than we earn. So here's what Hebrews thirteen five says. It says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. God says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Now you may be saying, okay, Tim, I don't love money, but I need the new iPhone 14 that's coming out. I need an 85-inch TV that 75 just isn't doing it anymore. Even though every Gen Xer in here grew up on a 19-inch TV and every senior grew up on a 13-inch TV, but now we need 85. And if that's not big enough, you go get a projector and you light up the entire wall, right? Because we need it, right? We need the bigger house. We need the fancier cars. We need the side-by-sides. We need the, the dirt bikes, I have a dirt bike, not putting those down. But we need this, we need that. We need all these things because we think we need it. I'll meet with people and say, yeah, Tim, I work so hard. I need to go to happy hour after work every day. I need to de-stress by having those extra drinks at happy hour. I need to do this to calm down. I need, right? I hear it all the time. I hear it over and over again. Well, let me tell you what that $500 a month car payment cost you. You ever heard of the rule of 72? Write that down. The rule of 72, it's a financial equation. Whatever number you divide into that number tells you how often money doubles. So if I have money at the bank, at a CD, getting a 1% rate of return, one goes into 72 how many times? 72 times. So that means it takes 72 years for you to double money at the bank getting 1%. Now, if you're getting a quarter percent, you do the math, right? What if you got a 4% rate of return? Well, 4 goes into 72 18 times, money doubles every 18 years. If I'm getting a 10% rate, rate return, my money doubles every 7.2 years. That makes sense what I'm saying? So you have to understand the rule of 72 for you to understand how money works. So let's say that I've got a car payment the rest of my life of $500 a month because every two, three years, four years, I'm buying five years, I'm buying a new car and I'm always got a $500 a month payment. $500 a month put into a fund that yielded you a 10% average rate return would give you over $1 million in 30 years. Think about that. That car, those toys, all those things that we think we need are costing us a ton of money down the road because we think we've convinced ourselves that we need it. Now, you may say, well, I don't have 30 years to save 500 bucks a month. Well, what if you had 20 You'd have almost $400,000 at $500 a month. What if you only had 10 years? You'd have over $100,000. That makes sense? Think about that. Next time you go and buy more, 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 think about what that is costing you in the long run. When a client comes to me and goes, Tim, I'm thinking about emptying out my 401k and I'm gonna go do something different with it. And I'm like, okay, but understand that 100 grand you just took out of your 401k. It's going to cost you a whole heck of a lot more because if you left it alone, eventually 100000 becomes how much? 200000 And eventually two hundred becomes 400000 And 400000 becomes 800000 based on the rule of 72, compound interest. Put time on your side, start saving right now. So you got to spend less than you earn. Number two, earn more money. You say, well, I can't. I can't do any more. Yeah, you can. You can do overtime, maybe. You can do Uber Eats. You can drive Uber. You can join a business and sell vitamins to your friends. I don't care what you do, but do something to make more money. You need to bring in more income if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you don't have enough. Now, if you're already the guy that lives below their means and you've, you're doing great, maybe you don't have to take that second job on. But if you're financially struggling, you've got to earn more money. Easier said than done, I know, but you've got to earn more money. Proverbs 10, verse 45 says this. Oh, by the way, don't hold me accountable to this word. It's in the Bible, not me. It says, lazy people are soon poor. Wow, <laughs> swallow that one. Hard workers get rich. A wise youth harvests in the summer, but one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. That's what God's word says. Don't be lazy, right? Don't be lazy. The world's full of them, by the way. Full of lazy people. We got to earn more money. By the way, I'm not saying you're lazy just because you're living paycheck to paycheck. What I'm saying is do something about it, okay? My business follows the stock market. When things are doing good, I'm doing good. When things are doing bad, I'm not doing as good, right? My business follows, right? I'm ebb and flow. If you're in real estate or mortgages or any kind of sales, you understand. We follow the economy, right? Good and bad. So increase your cash flow. You gotta spend less than you earn, earn more. Number two, you gotta get out of debt. Anybody here love being in debt? Raise your hand if you just love it. It's just like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, Cody, and you do? Yeah, good, All Good. We, I mean, it's just awesome, right? To every month go, what? I gotta pay that Costco bill again? Ugh, Visa, MasterCard. Oh my goodness, it's overwhelming, right? I thought I had more money. You gotta get out of debt. Proverbs 22, seven says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. We're servant to the lender. We're working for Chase. We're working for the bank. We're working for Visa. They're our boss because we owe them money, right? We need to get out of debt. Proverbs 22, verse 26 to 27 says, don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else. If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you. Bible says don't co-sign for people. Anybody here ever been burned by co-signing for somebody? Yeah, yeah, a bunch. I have. I didn't co-sign for it, but kind of, sorta. You know what I'm saying? That's a bad move. Bible says, don't do it. When your kids come to you and say, I gotta have this. Mm -mm. They need to figure it out. My dad never co-signed on anything for me. I had to figure it out. I had to make my way, right? I didn't have people handing it to me. Free, free, free. America, free, 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 (laughs) right? Gotta get out of debt. Don't agree to co-sign for somebody, Here's something crazy. Did you know if you max out your credit card and pay the minimum, do you know how many years it takes to pay it off? Over 30. Remember that rule of 72? If you're paying, if you have a 10% interest on your credit card or 15 or 20, your interest is piling up at that rate of rule of 72 that I just said a little bit ago. Imagine if you have a 20% interest rate. 20 goes on 72, you do the math, Right? Your interest is piling, piling, piling. That's why banks love it. When you go in to buy stuff, they want you to finance it, right? Because they make more money. That makes sense. Remember the good old days? If I give you cash, what kind of deal we got? (laughs) And now they're like, I don't know, we don't want your cash. We want you to finance it through our finance pipe because there's more money there. And that's okay. That's the business that they're in. That's the business that they're in. But we have to understand... If you pay the minimum, by the way, if your credit card um, is a 20% interest rate, it takes 45 years to pay it off if you pay the minimum. So if you're paying the minimum because you're feeling, hey, cool, I'm paying, I'm paying the 20 bucks a month, you're never gonna pay that off in your lifetime, most likely. It takes forever. By the way, here's what I think is funny <laughs> about debt. Could you imagine going on just a splurge, like just having just such a great time in your 20s or 30s, and then imagine fast forward 20 years from now, and you're like, honey, do you remember, what all did we buy on that credit card that's $20,000? I forgot, what did we do? Because you don't even remember, because it was 20 years ago, and you're still paying on that debt. So here's an idea. Do a debt roll-up. A debt roll-up can get you out of debt. Now, some people say, I'm going to pay off the one with the biggest interest rate first. The challenge with that is a lot of times that's the one with the biggest balance. So you feel like I'm never getting ahead. I'm never winning. I can't seem to catch up. So what do you do? Let's say you have four credit cards and let's say the minimum, for sake of argument, we're gonna say the minimum of all four credit cards is $10. So I'm gonna pay $110 on card number one, which is my one with the smallest balance until I get it paid off. Once I get that card paid off, I'm gonna go after card number two, I'm gonna continue paying that $100 plus the 10 I was doing, so 110 plus that other minimum, so $120. i am gonna to pay toward that next credit card. Now, by the way, if you follow this, most of the time you'll be out of debt in like seven, eight years if you do that. But you have to pay more than what the minimum is if you wanna ever be out of debt. And the cool thing is, when you get to like card number four, a lot of times you end up paying. Three or four hundred dollars because you figured out like this is cool, this is fun. I'm watching it go away, and you're paying much more to get rid of that fourth and last credit card. And man, once you pay that thing off, man, it feels good. If you've ever been in debt and you've paid it off, it feels refreshing. It feels rejuvenating. It's like this is awesome. Like I don't owe the man anymore. It feels great. But that gives you a little win when you pay off the smallest one first, and then the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Oh, by the way, don't make this mistake. I've heard this a million times. Hey Tim, guess what? I just paid off my credit card. I now have $200 extra to spend on whatever I want. But I'm like, that's cool, but how are you doing with the next credit card? Oh, well, I'll I'll get to that one. No, no, don't stop. Keep paying that amount toward the next card. If you've got them all paid off, start with another one I'm gonna tell you here in just a second here, but start saving it. Start putting it aside so you don't fall back into debt that's, by the way, if you don't have anything to fall back on, that's how you fall back on debt. And I'll talk about that in one moment. So pay off your, pay off your debt, get out of debt. Third one, give generously. Of course, Tim, you're going to talk about that. We're at church. Well, when I do financial seminars that I do often, I give this exact point right here. And I say, you go to a church, support your church. If you don't, if you're not religious, Give somebody, give the Red Cross, give to this, give give to something, give. Because the happiest people are people who give, not stingy people. Stingy people, generally speaking, are not happy because it's me, mine, 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 all mine, all mine, all mine, I'm stingy, keep it to myself. And we're not the happiest people when we're like that. People that give are happy. The Bible says a lot, by the way, to say about money. In fact, um, I'll get to the verse here in a moment here. I got a few before we get to the one that'll be on the screen. But Proverbs eleven twenty four says, give freely and become more wealthy. Let me say that again. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. That's pretty basic right there. Pretty, that's simple, Right? Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the, best part of your everything you pr- with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. And then Malachi 3, 10 says, bring all the tithes, tithes is a 10% of your income, 10%. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to receive it. I will pour out a blessing that you won't receive it. He says, try it, and he says, put me to the test. So he says, you give, and I will give you crazy amounts of blessings that you can't even handle. You won't be able to handle it. Now, little side note here because I know there's people right now that are going, Tim, you just don't understand my situation. I don't have money. I can't give. I can't tithe. You make me feel guilty. Now, that's not what I'm trying to, to do here because God doesn't need your money, okay? Now, churches do need it because we do a lot in this community. We feed hundreds of people every weekend. We support missionaries around the world. We start churches around the world. We help our local schools with Finances and things that they need. We are helping this community more than you can imagine with your donations. That's how we do it. But here's what I want to this may be like a news flash to some of you that may not know, and, then, and I'm going to help you understand. Churches are not government subsidized. Did you know that? Government doesn't send us $20,000 a month, to say, keep on winning people to Jesus. No, doesn't do that. In fact, did you know that Portland General Electric and the gas company? and the water company, and the garbage company, none of them send us a letter each month saying, you guys keep winning people to Jesus, baptizing people, and helping your community. Electricity's on us this month. No, they sent us a gigantic bill. Imagine what your, your Portland General Electric is at home right now. Imagine your bill. Okay, and let's say you live in a 1,500-square-foot, 2,000-square-foot house, well, this building is 10,000 square feet. That building's 10,000 square, oh, about 11,000 square feet. There's another five, 6,000 square feet. Imagine what electricity costs for this, right? Gas, water, right? So the only way these things are paid for is by who? Us, that call West Side their home. But here's, here's a scary little stat. The majority of churches in America, the finances are on the backs of a very small few that understand tithing. It's on their backs. If everybody in Westside just gave their 10%, their tithe, we would be doing crazy ministry that you could only imagine being a part of, that we'd be able to do. If not only it happened at Westside, but just churches across America, it would be insane what we would be able to do, the people we'd be able to help, if everybody gave their part. But here's the thing. I know there's some of you saying, Tim, I cannot afford to tithe. Great. Well, I've got a, I got a verse for you. Check out the screen. Luke 6.38. This is literally right out of Jesus' mouth himself. Jesus Christ himself said this. He said, give and you will receive. Now remember, Jesus is perfect. He never lied. He never did anything wrong. He said, give and you will receive. He's, and I love this. Listen. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured back into your lap. Now listen, last part. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Here's a dollar. I'll give you back a dollar and a little bit more, right? Here's a small tithe, maybe a kind of what I think is a tithe, maybe 2%, 5%, whatever. That's great. God says, I'll give that back to you and then some. You get what I'm saying? God is going to give back to us what we've given. Now, by the way, it's not tit for tat where basically you put a tithe in on Sunday, and then Monday you go to your, your, your mailbox. You're like, whoa, thank you, God. That was awesome. Thanks for the check. It doesn't work like that. But I'll tell you what happens. Your furnace lasts longer. Your cars last longer. Your brakes last longer. Your transmission lasts longer. I'm telling you, I know it's for a fact. I, I've, seen, I've seen neighbors over the years replacing things. I'm going, man. Our houses are 15 years old. I live in Sherwood. I'm like, these houses are 15 years old. Like, how are you already replacing all these things and these things just keep lasting us? I don't, I can't explain it. I don't understand it, but things last longer. That promotion that you want to get to make more money, to earn more, it happens, right? That tax return, whatever, things happen. God promises it. He says, look at, give to me this right there. And he goes, but when I give it back to you, I'm going to, press it down. I'm going to shake it around a little bit, like if there's sand in here. I'm going to shove it down some more, and I'm going to put some more in there, and I'm going to overflow giving back to you, where it'll be literally overflowing out of this cup. You won't even be able to handle it. Now, that is a promise from Jesus Christ himself. So when I say I can't afford to tithe, I say you can't afford not to tithe because you're missing out. I I mean, I almost feel guilty with the blessings my family has. I mean, I look at my father, my dad, Pastor Ken. I mean, dude, this guy has got social security and a very, very small amount of check that he gets for being a pastor. I mean, it's not much because he's retired. It's not not much of anything. But Mike, you would never know that when you see my dad because whatever he has just goes so far because he gives to tithe. He gives the church. He gives the missions. He gives more than probably... Percentage-wise, he's probably pretty much more than anybody that I know because he's a big believer in giving and God just keeps blessing him, blessing him with his health. I mean, he's gonna be 80 years old in like two weeks. I mean, he just keeps getting blessed beyond blessings. Give generously. Listen, you cannot outgive God. You just can't. And by the way, I had multiple people after last service that came up to me and said, Tim, I started tithing like a year ago or six months ago, and I'm telling you. I got this happened, this happened, that happened, this happened. They, all these little things they listed off happened after they started committing to giving to God. Truth. All right. Number four, you got to build an emergency fund. You got to build an emergency fund. So you've learned to, you know, incre- you know, make more money, how to, you know, live within your means, live below your means, right? You're getting out of debt. You're learning to give. Now you're building an emergency fund. Now, here's a little secret, ready? Your credit card is not an emergency fund. Now I'll sit down with the family and I'll say, so what do you got for emergency fund? As I'm going through and gathering the data. I wanna find, find out their financial situation. I need to know what's going on. And I say, what do you got for emergency fund? And they go, oh, we got these two credit cards. Yeah, they're in the freezer. We keep them locked up. But when we need them, we're gonna unfreeze them and then we're gonna use those. And I say, that is not your emergency fund. That is how you get in debt, which is number two. Don't do that. Don't get into debt. Bad thing. So, oh, by the way, remember that 30-year thing? You put the money on the de- on the credit cards and you pay the minimum, remember, you're going to take you forever to pay it off. So how much do you need? How much emergency funds should you need? Three to six months living expenses. So whatever you can live on, I'm not saying like your fantasy of like, oh, I want 10,000 a month or 50,000. no. Realistically, what do you need to pay your mortgage, pay your rent, pay all your bills? What do you need to be able to just get by for a, a, a period of time? You need that times three, two, six. Now, if you're thinking, Tim, my gosh, that seems like it's impossible. Well, I'd love to see you have just a minimum of at least $1,000. Could you know that there's a very large population in America, a very large, it's like almost half, that says if they lost their job tomorrow, would not have enough money to pay their bills next month. That's a scary place to be, you ask me. That's scary. By the way, I don't think God wants us there. He doesn't want us to be hanging on by a thread, barely, barely, I'm barely getting by. Not when he promises what he promised in Malachi, and what he promised in what we just read for, in Luke, out of Jesus' mouth, right? Three to six months, living expenses. Now, he's gonna take some time to build that, yeah. But once you get there, Guys, think about this. You got enough money coming in to live within your means, a little below. You're debt free. You got money in the bank. Now, how do you feel? Do you feel better? Does anybody like waking up in cold sweats because of money? Stressing out, getting headaches, freaking out on a daily basis because the bills keep piling up? Does anybody like that? Nobody does. So... Proverbs 21, 20 in the Living Bible says this. It says, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. God said it. I didn't say it. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish just spends it all. Right when they get it, they're like, gone. Like we, some of us can't spend it fast enough. That's why we go and do the credit card thing. We're like, I'm gonna do this now. I need it right now. And then our dream is we're gonna pay it off and then something else happens and this happens, that happens, and then we can't, Right? Proverbs twenty-two, twenty-three 23 says this, it says, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions, prepares. The simpleton, la-di-da-di-da, they go through life blindly and they suffer the consequences, All right? The prudent person foresees danger and precautions. They're prepared, the Bible says. I love this, Proverbs chapter six, verse six and eight. The Bible uses that lazy word again. (laughs) I love love how he words this here. It says, Take a lesson from the ants. You ever watch ants when they're doing their job? I mean they're like picking up like boulders pretty much (laughs) and they're moving thing around. You're like, how in the world can he do that? Right? Take a take a lesson from the the ants. He says, You lazy bones, learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter they're prepared they're financially prepared they've prepared for the winter months they prepared for when life smacks them upside the head with something that they weren't expecting they're prepared number 5 ensure proper protection i hate to tell you guys it's 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 a nasty word insurance. Mm, so nasty. I've had car insurance since I was 16 years old. I have not been in a car accident in like 30 years. And I pay car insurance every single month. Why? Because in case I get in an accident, I'm insured. My car is insured, right? That's why I pay it. You have to have it. It's a law. Now, whether you have the kind that protects your car, that's up to you. But you have to have liability, Right? And so, but insurance. But specifically, life insurance. Mmm. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I hear people say, yeah, I just can't afford it. You can't afford not to have it. Or they go, I don't need it. I'm invincible, basically. I'm going to live forever. Well, today's September the 11th. Something happened in 2001. Very tragic day. These people woke up in the morning on September 11th, and they had no clue that, that was going to be their last day, right? We have no clue how long we're going to live. 246 people got on a plane that morning. 2,606 people went to the Twin Towers. 343 firefighters, 60 police officers, and eight paramedics all went to work September 11th, all assuming I've got the rest of my life to live, and none of them came home that day. Those are people that all died on September 11th. You know people personally probably that have passed away prematurely in their 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s. You know, we lost our father-in-law just like a month month and a half ago. We didn't know he was gonna die. We had no clue. We just had had dinner with him a couple days earlier. And next thing you know, he wakes up and falls over and has a heart attack and dies. We don't know how much time we have. So we need to have proper protection on our lives. And by the way, can I give you a newsflash? Ready for this? GoFundMe is not life insurance. I know I just offended a few people, but it's not. It's not on me when you did poor planning to protect your family. Now, I understand there's some people that just can't get life insurance. They can't get it. Their health is just not gonna allow it. I get that. I, I totally get that. But for me to be cheap and say, you know what, I'm not gonna buy that life insurance. I'm never gonna use that. I'm never gonna need it. And now I'm gonna put on the backs of others when I pass away. That's not right. That's not right at all. So how much life insurance should you have? Seven to 10 times your annual income. You make 50 grand, you need half a million. You make 100,000, you need a million. You make a quarter million, you need a lot. You with me? You need to be prepared. And by the way, why do you need it? Because it protects your income if it goes to the grave. If you die, your family needs to be taken care of. I'm the breadwinner in my family. My wife stays home with our kids and does volunteering and helps with the kids and has been raising four awesome kids. But we have life insurance on both of us because she's super valuable, all the things she does in the home. And I'm the breadwinner. So I have to have protection if something happens to me. Both of you should. And especially if both of you are working and both bring in income. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, I've had these, I've had these conversations, I mean, I, more times than you can imagine when I sit down with someone and they, we just had no clue that that would be that important that her 50 grand would make that much of a difference. Yeah, when you're living on a joint income and one of your incomes just went to the grave, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I just had a lady come up to me right after this 10 o'clock service. She said, Tim, I, 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 I get it. She goes, my husband just passed away a couple of months ago and he left us with nothing. And she goes, I've been scrambling, scrambling. Men, do you want to leave your wife or wives? Do you want to leave your husband scrambling? Do you? I don't. I don't want to leave him scrambling. Here's another thing. Don't rely on your company's insurance. If you say, well, I got life insurance in my company. It doesn't count. Did that get your attention? It doesn't count. You know why? Because if you quit, you get laid off, Get fired, retire. You have no more life insurance from your company. It ends the day that you leave that company. It's gone. doesn't count. And by the way, the reason it's dirt cheap, I have people say, yeah, but Tim, I can get this policy at my company, man. It's like 50 cents. And I'm like, yeah, it's 50 cents because you will never die while employed there, ever. It won't happen. They will give it to you for next to nothing because you're not gonna die when you're working there. So you need insurance on yourself. Now, the thing is, is what kind, though? It's so confusing. Like term life, five-year, 10-year, 15-year, 20-year, 30-year, you know, universal life, whole life. What do I need? Well, you need to talk to a financial professional about that to figure out what are the different types of policies that are out there. But by the way, cheap doesn't mean better. I have people go, hey, Tim, I got myself a five-year term. I'm like, that's wonderful. That's the cheapest policy you could possibly get. The problem is what are you going to do in five years in one day? Oh, I'll get another policy. Okay, but hold on. What if you have a heart attack or get cancer or diabetes or something happened to your life in the next five years? Guess what? You're not getting life insurance in five years in one day. You're uninsurable now. You need to be prepared. Don't look for cheaper. It's not necessarily better. Proverbs 13, says, good people leave an inheritance to their kids and grandkids. The Bible says, you should leave something to your family. First Corinthians 13, 7 says, love, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. What are you protecting? You're protecting your income. Love always protects. We should protect those we love. Number six, the last one, invest for the future. Remember that rule of 72? Remember that one? You need to find out where my 401K is invested. Where's my IRA invested, my Roth IRA? What is even the difference between a 401K and a a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA? What's the difference? You should know. You should know the difference. By the way, the difference between a 4% rate of return over 30 years and a 10% is $700,000. So imagine you're like, I'm gonna play it safe. That's cool. But that playing it safe sometimes is gonna cost you down the road. Because we know historically, we know what the market's done. It's done way more than 4%. Historically. Has it done that this year? No. (laughs) It goes up and down, right? It goes up and down. But we know historically... It's doing better than 4%. It's down over 10. We know that. So for me to not understand that could cost me a lot of money down the road. I need to understand these things. Taxes. Your money is either taxed now. that would be like bank stuff, mutual funds. Taxed tomorrow, your 401k, your traditional IRA, you'll pay taxes tomorrow. It's not tax-free. You will pay tax on it tomorrow when you pull it out, or taxed never. That'd be like a Roth IRA insurance products. Taxed never. Now, let me ask you a, a rhetorical question. Is taxed tomorrow or taxed never better? Taxed never is a pretty good idea, right? You should understand these things. Understand, because I'll tell you what, this is a horrible conversation I have sometimes when I'm talking to a 65, 70-year-old who's getting ready to retire, and we start talking about, their income. And I say, hey, how much taxes do you want withheld from your money? And they go, what, what do you mean taxes? I, I earned that money. I earned that money in 30 years while I was working. I'm like, well, I, no. But the pre-tax money went into 401k. You didn't pay tax on any of that money. Oh what? No, you gotta pay tax on it now. Surprise, right? You need to understand that. Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. We gotta be diligent. Diligent in our savings. Stay focused on it. Keep going. Do the best we can. Hey, you may say, Tim, I can't. Yes, you can. You can. Have you ever noticed if you really, really badly want something, you figure it out? Have you ever figured that? You know that? If you really badly want to go on vacation, you figure it out or if you really want something else at your house, you figure it out. You know, if, if going to happy hour every single day after work to have a drink to calm down and you can't even afford it, you figure it out, right? We figure out what we have to do. We gotta get our priorities in order. Proverbs 13, 11 says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Maybe you can only save 50 bucks a month. That's better than Zero right? It's better than zero, but start saving for the future. Start saving for tomorrow. Now, in closing, listen, God wants us to be happy. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to be rich. And I don't necessarily just mean money. I mean, just rich in life, rich in like just everything that we have access to, where we just have this great, healthy, wonderful life. God wants us to have this amazing, amazing life. There's nothing wrong with money, nothing wrong with having money, There's nothing wrong with it at all as long as it doesn't become your God, okay? When it becomes your God, it's now a problem, okay? If I got to the place where all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, I just gotta work more, work more, work more. Gabe, I gotta quit. I can't be the youth pastor anymore. It was a sacrifice (laughs) for me to go from a full-time investment advisor to saying, hey, I wanna say yes to students. I wanna say yes to teenagers. That was a financial move for me that didn't increase my finances. But I knew that God was more important than money. God was more important than anything else out there. And I knew if I kept God number one, everything else would follow. And guess what? It has. Because the priorities are correct. They're in line. God wants us to be happy. When I meet with clients, I always want to help them. Give, I want to give them hope. You can do this You can do this. You can start saving. You can start investing. You can have the proper kind of insurance. You can do these things. So my advice to you is if you have an advisor, go see them. Say, hey, I was at church on Sunday. I learned about money. I learned some things. Can we talk about some of these things? And if you don't, and you're like, I don't know who to talk to. My email's right there in your notes. You got questions? Send me an email. You got questions for me? Send me an email. Okay, we can talk. Because I don't want to leave you hanging. So if you have somebody, go see them. If you don't, give me, give me, give me a reach out. We'll talk to you. We'll talk. So let's look at your bottom of your notes there. The bottom of the notes. Your next steps. We'll get to the today saying yes in a second here, but. Send me information on Financial Peace University. If you're here and you're like, man, I just need to get started. I wanna, I wanna get that $1,000 in savings. I wanna get debt free. I wanna start doing some of these things. We have Financial Peace University coming up, being led by someone in our church here that's gonna lead that. It's a growth group. You can be a part of it. If you are interested in that and want more information, sign up for it today. It's on the connection card. Just sign up. We want you to be a part of that if you want to get some direction. Maybe you're here and you're like, Tim, I'm a little bit more advanced than that. I just have some questions about this, this and that. Reach out to me, reach out to your advisor, have a conversation. We want to make sure you are moving forward financially. I mean, when Gabe came to me, he he said, Tim, listen, I need you to make sure that our people are financially healthy. They're making wise choices. They're gonna get where they need to go. And that's why he asked me to teach today. And so we wanna help you, we wanna help you. I will memorize Proverbs 21, five is on your next steps. That's the verse I just read. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to po- poverty. Memorize that verse, remember that verse. It's a great verse to memorize. In just a moment here, we're gonna pass the offering bucket around, give you a chance to give back to God. There's also boxes on the back as you're exiting the building that you can put in your uh, offering, your tithe uh, back there. I wanna encourage you to do that. But before we do, I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Everybody just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I know this hasn't been a message on salvation, but I want you to know that your very, very first step, if you want to be in God's plan, if you want to be in God's, you know, family, the first step is you need to accept Christ into your life, become a Christian. That's that's step number one. And so in order for you to enjoy all this awesome life that I've been talking about today, how God wants us to, he wants to bless us, he wants us to be rich and satisfying in life, Christianity is number one. And if you're here today and you've never said, Jesus, forgive me my sins, I believe in you, I accept you, come into my heart and be my savior. If you've never prayed that prayer, I want to pray for you right now. And I'd like you to real quick, if you want me to pray for you, I want you to real quick just say, Tim, pray for me. Raise your hand real quick and put it down. Just raise your hand and put it down. We had a couple in the last service. And that was awesome. Anybody here that's never accepted Christ in their life wants me to pray for you? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for just the blessings that you want to give us Um, I pray that we will walk away from today's message, Lord, knowing that you want the best for us. You want us to be successful. You want us to be happy. You want us to have the best life ever. But we got to practice some of these financial principles if we're going to have that life, Lord. And I pray that everybody will leave here today feeling like they learned a little something new that they can apply to their lives and better themselves, better their lives, we just love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Be with the offering, Lord, as we pass that bucket around, Lord, that um, you will be with West Side as we continue to help so many people in uh, our community. And uh, we just love you so much. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the West Side Podcast. We hope that you'll be taking some next steps in your faith journey and we'd love to help with that. The most important step you can take is following Jesus. And if today you decided to make that step, we want to encourage you and help you. You can text the word Jesus to 503-905-9067 and we're going to send you some things in the mail to help you grow in your faith. We also would encourage you to stop by this Sunday for a live service either online or on site right here in the Portland, Oregon area. You can find out more at West Side communitychurch.com.